Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time to talk racing here on the Race Podcast from Fox 4. I'm Sam Atwell. And I'm Brian Dooley. Man, we are back on the track at Daytona. What a great day it was in Daytona. No rain affected this race. It was a good race. Lots of action. Lots of crashes towards the end. Let's go ahead and take a look and see where your favorite driver finished in the 2019 Daytona 500. In first place, your Daytona 500 champion for the second time in four years, Denny Hamlin. Followed by Joe Gibbs Racing teammates, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones. And fourth place, place uh, series defending champion Joey Logano in fifth place Michael McDowell followed by Ty Dillon Kyle Larson in seventh Ryan Priest five time or seven time champion Jimmy Johnson and in tenth place Ross Chastain finishing 11th was Alex Bowman 12th Brad Keselowski 13th Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 14th Ryan Newman 15th Parker Kligerman 16th Austin Dillon 17th Chase Elliott 18th Corey LaJoy 19th BJ McLeod and 20th Clint Boyer in 21st, William Byron, who had the pole position. Jamie McMurray from Joplin, Missouri. In 23rd, Brendan Gaughan, followed by Landon Castle. In 25th, uh, Kurt Busch. In 26th, Kevin Harvick, followed by Tyler Reddick. In 28th, Matt D. Benedetto. In 29th, Paul Menard. In 30th, David Reagan. 31st and out of the race was Ryan Blaney. Eric Almarola was 32nd, Daniel Suarez 33rd, Daniel Hemrick 34th, Martin Truex Jr. 35th, Matt Tift 36th, 37th was Chris Buescher 38th, Bubba Wallace, he was out early, Cody Ware 39th, and Casey Mears was finished in last place in 40th. And what a, you know, this race for the most part through the first two stages, and Kyle Busch was your winner of the first stage, really not a whole lot of action, not, I mean, there was, it was good racing, and I think the changes NASCAR made to the aerodynamics and the horsepower at this track, these I think it produced some really great racing. I agree. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me early on, uh, drivers playing it safe. Um, and then as it goes on, especially those last 80 laps in the final stage, uh, drivers getting a bit more aggressive, especially those last 20 laps. Yeah, the last 20 laps, there were five crashes in the last 20 laps. Five crashes and two red flags. In those last 20 laps, so there was lots of lots of uh, yeah, lots of craziness going on in the last 20 laps. And the second stage really was similar to the first stage. Not a whole lot of action going on. Everybody just you know out for a Sunday afternoon drive at Daytona. And uh, your your second stage winner was Ryan Blaney, which was where he was last year in the Daytona 500. He, he won the second stage last year in the Daytona 500. And I believe he led the most laps last year too. And I, I really thought that he was going to be uh, one of those contenders at the end, but just I uh, got caught up in uh, one of the big ones towards the end there. <laughs> yeah, one of the big ones. This, you know, we're, we always sit around and 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 at these restrictor tra- plate tracks like Talladega and Daytona, you're always sitting there. You're waiting. Okay, when's the big one going to come? When's the big one going to come? And sometimes they come a little earlier in the race, 
This time, they everybody was just seemed to be holding back. They were racing their strategy. They were they were you know racing how they wanted to come into the race. And I really thought coming down towards the end, man, are we just gonna are we gonna have a Daytona 500 without the big one? Yeah, uh, just. Man, at that it was like a demolition derby. And uh, <laughs> does NASCAR still have the rules of they only have so many times due to the green white checkered, and then they call it, or do they keep trying? Because they have the rule now. I know they used to have the line on the back stretch, and now it's you know the green white checkered. They well, if it gets the white flag, if you get the white happens, flag, if if you get the white flag, then the next the next flag wins, whether it's checkered or whether it's yellow. So so they do still have that rule, and. It almost seemed like we weren't going to get to a finish tonight because um, there were so. I mean, they got they took so much time to clean the tracks with the red flag situations, and then they get underway, and lo and behold, somebody makes a move, and uh, man, they wrecked a bunch of race cars tonight. And and even at the end, there uh, drivers were still making moves, uh, but I think playing it safe, Joey Logano, he was getting up there, but he just gonna get. He just could not get the push he needed. Kyle Busch at one point was trying to get, you know, at, to his teammate, Denny Hamlin. And it was a lot of back and forth going on. But Denny Hamlin, that last restart, he really took off and uh, it paid off at the end. He really did take off. And, and, and he and his teammate, I know Kyle Busch, I understood the strategy Kyle Busch. He was trying to get into the right place, get the right distance so he could make that final move. And he, I believe he was going to make his move on the, on the last lap. Uh, like we've seen many, many times at Daytona, but it just wasn't there. And I, I think, I know, I know you're not a big fan of Denny Hamlin or Kyle Busch, but I got to tell you, for somebody who's been a, a longtime fan like me and and covered the sport for a long time, I really a sentimental win for me with with the one, two, three Gibbs finish, and uh, with the loss of JD Gibbs earlier this last well last month. Um, pretty special moment for for Joe Gibbs Racing and. And love him or hate him, you got to respect Joe Gibbs for what he's done in this sport and for what just an incredible human being he is. And I, I do respect Joe Gibbs. Uh, Kyle Busch, <laughs> his personality. Um, <laughs> over the years, I've grown each driver. They have their personality, like him, dislike him. Uh, but Kyle Busch, he, he's, a, he's a great driver. What he did in 2015 when he was in that uh, horrible crash in the Xfinity Series to come back and win the championship that year. Denny Hamlin, uh Winning this, the Daytona 500 in 2016, now again in uh, 2019. You know, he's been a runner up for the championship before, uh, but he definitely has been great at these tracks and uh, he's a great driver as well. And, you know, the last time there was that, that photo finish with him and Martin Truex Jr. Yes. And he mentioned after the race, he feels like this one he can kind of relax a bit more. Um, just it wasn't that such a close. And there for a while in that, in, in that, when he won the, his last Daytona 500, it, they weren't real sure who won that race. They had to go to the photo finish to see he crossed just milliseconds ahead of Martin Truex Jr. And, and it was, um, it was quite a surprise because I think if I remember correctly on the TV call, they said Martin Truex won and then they had to go back and, and rethink that and take a look at it. And, and he did go to the I think when I, when I saw that one, I thought Martin Truex Jr. won. And then <laughs> you actually you look at the photos and I mean, it was so close. Uh, but Denny Hamlin did win and he's back at it again today. And also in third place, other Joe Gibbs, uh, Eric Jones, um, who won there, I believe in July, uh, you know, coming off a strong finish for him. And uh, you mentioned earlier 
uh, we were talking that this is the only the second time. Yes. 22 years ago, Hendrick Motorsports, uh, Jeff Gordon. Terry Labonte. And Ricky Craven. Yes. We had a 1-2-3 finish at Daytona. And uh, and that, if 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 I if my if my memory serves me right, that was a very emotional moment too, because I believe that was when Rick Hendrick was battling leukemia, and it was he was either his first time at the track or there was something very emotional about that win too. Of course, Ricky Craven was coming off a very severe accident where he had severe head injury, and to see him come back and finish third in that race, and Terry Labonte the the uh, the Winston Cup champion years and years ago in 1996 for them to to pull off that one two three finish was very cool but this one tonight especially with the, with the recent like we mentioned earlier jd gibbs passing away earlier from a neurological disease and denny hamlin actually was discovered by jd gibbs so that's why this was so special for denny hamlin and this win will mean a lot in and uh, and joe gibbs and gibbs racing has done a lot for this sport and it, i'm 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 happy that that organization won. Like I say, if you're not a fan of those guys, I understand because that's what, that's what NASCAR is all about. You have your favorite drivers. You have your not favorite drivers. You have the guys you just can't stand. And, and this sort of reminds me of Martinsville, uh, Jimmy Johnson winning after, uh, Ricky Hendrick, Rick Hendrick's son, and a few others of the Hendrick Motorsports family were killed in a plane crash. Yeah. That was, that was Martinsville is still a very emotional place for Hendrick Motorsports. Because 10 other team members died in that plane crash. In fact, the race, the day that happened, Jimmy Johnson actually won that race and was not in victory lane. And we were later to find out why he wasn't in victory lane because his very dear friend, Ricky Hendrick and, and Rick Hendrick's brother and, uh, engine builder for Rick Hendrick Motorsports, 10 of their people were killed in that, in that crash. And, uh, yeah, there, it, and we were talking just a little bit ago. Sometimes it, it, it seems like in NASCAR, we've had these, we've had these memorable moments over the years where you, it's followed up with a win or there's a very emotional win or, you know, I think back to, to all the way back to 2000 and 2001 when Dale Earnhardt died. And then you follow up the July race in Daytona with Michael Waltrip and, and Junior. That's probably finishing. one of my, one of my favorite moments in NASCAR history. I, I really uh, got into the sport um, in 2001. Uh, few, you know, I was starting to get into it in 2099, uh, but I was only 11, 12 years old when uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. died in 2001 and uh, became a Jeff Gordon fan then. But to see uh, Dale Jr. come back and then have Michael Waltrip in second, that was just, I remember watching that and just my mouth dropped. It was just like... You remember that iconic picture of, of the two of them standing on top of their race cars in, in the infield there at Daytona and just hugging, and, you know, what an incredible moment. And what I loved about that, I, I always felt bad for Michael Voltrup, who he never really got to celebrate uh, the Daytona 500 win in February 2001 because of the death of Dale Earnhardt Sr., his uh, boss, car owner, and I... I what I loved about that is, you know, Dale, I feel like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Michael Waltrip finally got to have the celebration that year uh, that they didn't get to have earlier. Uh, something else I want to talk about is uh, Emporia, Kansas native Clint Boyer. He was really oh. strong today. I mean, he was he was running the top 10, top 5, and then after a, a couple of those first big ones happened, those last 20 laps, he, he got aggressive and he just wasn't clear, came up and it oh, was man. go time, and he he made his move, and it was a good move because he jumped out from behind a slower car. He jumped to the inside of the 34 car, 
and uh, thought he had it cleared and, and went to move back up in front of him and just wasn't there. And that was the was that the last big one or was that the second to last big one? I I I think that was the last big one. Yeah, it might have been the last big one. Um, and I'm a Chase Elliott fan, and that one Chase Elliott was sort of getting nicked on those first two, but barely <laughs> getting out. A few scrapes here and there, and then uh, that last one he he got in. That was it for him. Uh, Jimmy Johnson he was getting nicked too, but he finished in the top ten. His car was his car was totally. The, the left rear of that car was totally trashed. It was gone. And, and that 48 team put that thing back together. And, and this race really at the end was survival of the fittest, man, because there were some damaged cars. You know, um, a guy I want to mention, Matt DiBenedetto, ran strong all day, led laps. He was up in the front and he was, he was caught in the middle of, of the big one, the very first big one that took, took out that involved 22 cars. And, if you go back and later in the week, if you go back and look at the video of that crash and you see this gigantic wad of race cars right there and it was just, it ruined a lot of great runs that some guys were having. And I felt really bad for Matt DiBenedetto and, and also for Paul Menard. Paul Menard caused that wreck. Yeah. And he was so close to winning the clash a week ago in the exhibition race. Uh, the wreck caused by Jimmy Johnson. Um, I thought he was going to be a strong contender and just the fate of the big one. Um, also, we mentioned Ryan Blaney, uh, Eric Amarola, who was leading the last lap last year and uh, got wrecked by Austin Dillon for the win. Uh, Eric Amarola, who this is the second year at Stuart Haas Racing, uh, he was looking great. And the wreck, he was, I think he was involved in the first big one. And he, he made a comment uh, after he was out of the care center uh, watching the replay. It reminded him of the wreck in Kansas uh, where he uh, broke his back. And it, it was very similar. It, these, it, it's, so, it's so crazy watching these races and seeing these cars crash into each other at 200 miles an hour. And, and NASCAR has done such a great job with safety and, and driver safety over the years. Um, since 2001, it's really been a priority and they have really done a great job of doing that to see all of every driver that was involved in that, whose car was not running after the big one there to see them all walk away and everybody's fine. And they're going to be, some of those guys are going to be a little sore tomorrow, but to walk away without any, any broken bones or anything like that is just pretty stunning. Yeah. It blows. I mean, if again, like Sam said, if you watch, that the wreck, the, the first big one, it was just sparks, fire, ever. It was just, crazy. There were cars underneath and other, other cars, and all those drivers, though, again, probably will be a little sore tomorrow, but just to walk away and and be out of the care center tonight and be with their families, uh, is, it's amazing the steps that NASCAR's done uh, to improve safety in the sport. You know, another guy that had had a pretty good run today, Jamie McMurray, who was running in his well, this will be. This is the only race he'll run in this week because next week he goes and becomes uh, one of us. He becomes a member of the media, uh, which I think he's going to do a great job. You, you, we've seen some drivers come into TV jobs, and and some of them it takes a little while to get used to. But I think Jamie McMurray will come in and do a good job. He was running. He had so much tape on his car holding that car together, but yet he was still in the running until either the second or third big one. And he, he ended up finishing, where did he finish? Let me see. He was uh, right. 22nd. 
finished 22nd. He finally, he finally damaged that car bad enough that they couldn't continue. But he had a great run, and I think that's cool for him being the only race he's going to run this year. He's always run pretty well at, at Daytona. But it was it was great to see Jamie McMurray of Joplin, Missouri, have a good run. I agree. At one point, uh, I remember seeing Boyer third and McMurray fourth. I thought, how cool it would be if they both get up there and we got Kansas, Missouri uh, for a second, or at least in the top five. But it wasn't to be. <laughs> thanks to thanks to uh, and uh, these restrictor plate tracks. Everyone, uh, if you don't watch it, it's so it's such different racing here compared to. Kansas Speedway or short track racing, it is. It's a matter of just luck, but also, I mean, it, it, there is so much skill that goes into it. Uh, but sometimes you're just at the wrong place at the wrong time, and uh, yeah, the Daytona 500. It's the biggest race. What's different from other sports? It's the biggest race of the season, but it's also the first race. So drivers, they have the whole rest of the season. They have until November that they can work on gathering points and winning the series championship, but. The Daytona 500, it's a race of its own. Well, it's many, many times it's called the Super Bowl of, of NASCAR because it is the biggest event. It's the first event of the year. The team spends so much time building the cars for this race. They, you know, they, they focus on it starting, you know, the season ends in November and then they have the banquet and then we're into December. They're, they're working on building these cars for the 2000, the, the, the Daytona 500. Early on in the off season, and they put a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money into building the car for the Daytona 500. In fact, if you're in the if you're in the Clash, you have another you have a separate car for the Clash. If you're run, run, running in the Clash, because as we saw last week, you don't want to have your 500. Car. <laughs> you don't want to have your 500 car in the Clash because there was a huge one last week and wadded up a bunch of race cars. But they spend a lot of time building these Daytona 500 cars it's it's really the first goal of the season and it's it's a big weekend it it stretches over a couple weeks it's a big time i've been down there a couple times and it's a lot of fun now correct me if i'm wrong the the winter car goes on like Denny Hamlin will never get to race that car again it's, it goes there it goes it stays at Daytona for a year it it's on display uh, they move it basically from Victory Lane and, and, and as it was sitting in Victory Lane uh, that's how it's displayed for the next year. They'll get it back eventually, but it's done for this year. So um, they, Denny Hamlin might be a little sad about that because that car run pretty well. Yeah, and, and speaking post-race, NASCAR said this season, uh, post-race inspections, if your car does, if it doesn't pass, even if you won the race, you'll be disqualified. And we saw that last year with Kevin Harvick. That's Yeah, that's one of the new rule changes this year. NASCAR is going to do post-race inspections at the track so that they we we will no longer have this wait until Tuesday to see who's penalized like we have in the past and you'd have something big would happen at the racetrack and NASCAR well we'll comment that we'll comment on that on Tuesday when we release the, the penalties and whatnot. Apparently they changed their thinking, their philosophy on that and, and we're gonna know by the end of the night before usually they want to try and have the results finalized before the fans leave the the uh, racetrack. So we'll see um, I have not. I'm checking right now as as we sit about a. You know, we're about a little over an almost an hour from the finish of the race. And I'm looking at headlines and I don't see any penalties being being passed out now. But you're right, Kevin Harvick. If this rule had been in place last year, he would not have been in the the the, the race for the championship in in, in Homestead because because the race he was disqualified. The race he lost points and and had the the penalty was a race that got him into the final race. It, 
the final. You can't say final four, but got him into the the last four to run for the championship in Homestead. And then some of these names up here in the top ten, uh, and, and we were mentioning earlier, uh, Matt D and Benedetto. I mean, this is a race. Trevor Bain won this in 2011. I remember when he won, I was like, who? And th- this is a race. It is anyone's game. Uh, you got veteran drivers. You have drivers like Kyle Busch, who's a champion and has never won this race. Uh, took Dale Earnhardt Sr. so many years before he finally won in 98. Uh, but what's great, Michael McDowell, Ty Dillon, uh, Ryan Priest, a lot of names you don't see in the top five, top ten, and a lot of other races. It's so great and, it, and awesome to see some of those drivers have a shot and a chance to win. Uh, a race like the Daytona 500. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, we talked, mentioned just a little bit earlier about guys who had some luck tonight. Ryan Priest, this guy had some luck because he drove through all of those big crashes. And 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 as you go back and, and if you see the in-car video of how him just barely getting by without getting hit, without crashing into anybody, nobody crashing, nobody spinning into him. And it was an amazing job of driving by that young man to stay in stay in that race and stay out of trouble. Yeah. I'm also shocked to see uh, Brad Keselowski because I saw him in some of those wrecks and I I remember thinking, Oh, he's done. And then he would be back in and then he got caught up in another one. And yeah, there was, there were, there were several guys that had trouble. Uh, Keselowski had a, had a blowout on the, on the left rear and it looked like he was done. You're right. Because that car was, was on the rims and sliding down down the the apron um but there were a lot of guys that, that got in trouble by themselves and didn't really hit the wall or anything or they got into the one car situation where they got a little damage and and they came back I, again i mentioned jamie murray he had so much tape on the front of that car i didn't know if the fender was going to stay on that car but he stayed out there until one of the last big ones and then that car was just done it's like okay we can't put this one back together we're going to have to call it a day but there was some great runs. It's what I love about the Daytona 500 is because it means racing season is back, and the the season is so long. It's the longest season in any sport. It goes from February to November, and they don't have a whole lot of off days there. And it's a grind. It's these guys are now. I mean, they're they're going after it. They they get into a routine. It's race day. They fly home. The drivers take Monday off or they go into the shop and they have a debrief. The crews are back putting the car together for the next race. You know, Thursday, they're, they're loading the trucks. Thursday, they're loading the trucks and they're leaving for the next race in Atlanta. Is it Atlanta next week? Yeah, it's Atlanta next week. And so they're back into this grind and, and us race fans are back into, you know, into our routine and it's we're ready. The, the excitement when that green flag first drops, right? Every year, I'm just always like shaking. Uh, when those cars first, uh, that first couple laps, and then the last 20 laps, because uh, you know what, it's not over yet. The last 10 laps, la- last five laps, and the Daytona 500, it's never over until that checkered flag waves. And that whole time, I am just <laughs> shaking. I am giddy as a schoolboy. Well, and it's it's cool because NASCAR is, you know, you've told me multiple stories about how, NASCAR is a family thing for you and you you have aunts and uncles and and that you guys really love this sport and you guys really get into it and and it was because of of your family that brought you into it right yeah uh, my uncle Mike uh, my mom's brother 
he passed away sadly uh, a little over three years ago from cancer. But he in 2001 he started gathering the family. Uh, had we had cooking buffalo wings, and we're gonna all watch the Daytona 500. And for people in my family, such as my parents, who weren't really in NASCAR, he's like, okay, if you guys want to come over, you have to wear something NASCAR. And so <laughs> I remember my grandma, uh, I call her Beepu, she had the shirt and it said something about uh, my son said I had to wear a NASCAR shirt to come to his Daytona party. There you go. And my mom, she she fell in love with Del Jarrett's UPS commercial, so that became her driver. And, uh, yeah, I really, that year even though it started off on such a tragic uh, moment uh, with Dylan Sr. passing away. Uh, you know, that year we had uh, the September 11th attacks, uh, which um, was right before the Kansas Speedway. And I remember being at the Kansas Speedway that year. I only went to qualifying and practicing. Uh, this is in September 2001 at the end. And just that feeling, I mean, it was exciting because it was the first race for the Kansas Speedway, but it was one of the first sporting events after the, those attacks, and just the, the NASCAR. The, I remember uh, them playing "God Bless the USA" oh, yeah. and all the fans, and then Jeff Gordon winning that race because there was a story where uh, somebody on a, a plane the day before uh, talked with, uh, I believe, uh, one of the pilots of Flight 93, and said, "If you were to die tomorrow, uh, what would be one of the things you'd want to do?" And he said, "I would." want to go see a NASCAR race and see Jeff Gordon win. And so um, that pilot died, I believe it was Flight 93, and the guy that said that he uh, he gave uh, that man's son tickets and he was able to see Jeff Gordon win that race. And just stories like that, uh, it's just amazing. And, and my family, we continue now today. Uh, I'm, I'm here, so I wasn't able to watch it with my family, but uh, we still text and talk about it. And I've gone with them over the years. The Kansas Speedway, those races have been special. And yeah, it's it's a very family sport. I mean, you, we talk with you know you and I talking NASCAR. It's sure when you when you meet NASCAR fans. One of my best friends in middle school, we we bonded over NASCAR. Even though he gave me trouble because I was a Gordon fan and he was a Harvick <laughs> fan. And so, uh, but that, that's kind of the fun. If you know someone that has a has a driver, you might not like. They might not like yours. It's just kind of fun to banter back and forth just like any other sport well I, I know back in the back in the day and 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 i'm a little older than you are and i've covered the sport for a lot of years and and on radio and and uh i have four kids and my house was evenly split we had three my my twin daughters and my wife who were huge tony stewart fans just huge tony stewart fans it's ridiculous and myself and my son and my other daughter were Gordon fans, so there was a lot of there was a lot of there was a lot of back and forth in the races, man. When when Tony and Jeff were going back at it back in the day, and it was fun. It was a fun rivalry. It was something we could all gather around. It was something we could. I mean, we would talk about it during the week. You know, if 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 uh, as he often did, Tony Stewart when did something boneheaded, I would mention that to my wife and my twin daughters through the week and. Then if Jeff did something very rarely boneheaded, they would give it right back at me. Or if Tony beat Jeff or Jeff beat Tony, it was a lot of fun. It was a great family sport, and it's it's a lot of fun to talk about, and it's great that they're back on the track. I'll admit, uh, <laughs> when I become a Jeff Gordon fan, uh, around a bunch of Dale Earnhardt fans in the family, uh, it, was, it was tough at times. And, man, there were times I just – I was so sick of just the – I just felt like I was getting picked on nonstop. Now, 
luckily that year I was able to shove it back in their faces when he won the Kansas Speedway the first two years and then win the championship in 2001. And But I, I remember even in, in Boy Scouts, I would get in arguments with kids that were Tony Stewart fans because <laughs> I, I, I did not like Tony Stewart. Um, and now he's a senior citizen and he's retired, so you don't have to worry about Tony anymore. Yeah, and this, uh, sp- speaking of uh, drivers that might become for retirement, nothing's been said yet, but Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, didn't win a race last year, won the clash last week after causing the big one, but this is the first year in, in, in since being in the Cup Series that Chad Knauss is not his crew chief. Chad Knauss is now with the 24. I don't think Jimmy Johnson is quite done yet. I, I think... They had an off season last year. Absolutely, they they ran like junk all season long. They just couldn't. They seemingly they couldn't get out of their own way. I think it was a brilliant move by Rick Hendrick to to split these two apart. Sometimes Chad and Jimmy would kind of go at each other. They were kind of like brothers. I have a brother. You have a brother. Sometimes we can butt heads and and just absolutely. be really aggravated at each other. But yet he's still my brothers are still my best friends, and that's kind of that, that's kind of the relationship that Chad and Jimmy had. And sometimes it, it was hard to it, it was hard to get that across on the track. I, I think they'd been together. I think they'd had a great run, seven championships. I mean, that's amazing. It's it's it has to be one of the longest crew chief driver relation in history that I at least that I've seen. It's it's a, it's amazing the run they have. But I think it's a great move by Mister Hendrick to to split them apart. And to, to move Chad to a new challenge with a younger driver and Jimmy with a new crew chief that will give him a different perspective, a different way to look at things. You know, Jeff Gordon had all the success with Ray Everham back in the day, and then, then he went through a couple crew chiefs, and he ended up winning a, his fourth and final title in 2001 with, with uh, was it Robbie, Robbie Loomis? Gordon. Robbie Loomis. Loomis. Yeah, and it, that was – it was – Robbie came in and gave him a, a little different look, a, a, a little different perspective, a little different way of doing things, and it made him a better driver. And I think probably with Jimmy, I think we're going to see the same thing. I, he, he had a tough he had a tough run today, but Daytona is tough for a lot of men. Like you said earlier, your run at Daytona has no bearing on the rest of and, your and season. And he ended in a top 10, which, which is amazing. Which is amazing <laughs> because that car was destroyed. And after the uh, minor, there was a wreck on pit road early on, and that was the first when Jimmy Johnson, the the back uh, left part of his car, just torn for the the gas. Like it was amazing. After that, I thought they might have to take it to the garage, or and he came back out and able to finish a top ten. Just amazing. Well, we're off. To a great start for the 2019 season, a great Daytona 500. Denny Hamlin can enjoy this one for a little bit. But, man, next week we're on to Atlanta. And Atlanta is one of my favorite tracks because it's fast, it's wide, and there's a lot of action. We've seen some great races at Atlanta over the years. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's the famous, you know, Bobby Labonte and then uh, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick. Uh, that was another one of those special moments yep. after Earnhardt Sr. passed away. Uh, so Atlanta one of those races tracks that has over time and time again, those last lap, uh, exciting finishes. And, uh, there I, I, early on at Daytona, it's hard to tell what teams, what drivers are going to be strong this year, but, uh, Kevin Harvick, he's, he's always r- r- run great there. Even though he's only, uh, won twice, he always runs good there. 
Uh, Kyle Busch, I can see him doing well. Uh, Chase Elliott, uh, he, of course, <laughs> he's my favorite driver, <laughs> so I'm going to be rooting for him. Uh, but it's going to be interesting what teams, what manufacturers and what drivers uh, really take off this year. Uh, Joe Logano, defending champion, uh, making a strong point, finishing in the top five and fourth. A guy you need to keep an eye on this year, and this is just just in my never-to-be-humble opinion, Martin Truex. I think keep an eye on Martin Truex Jr. He's, he's at Joe Gibbs Racing now. He brought his crew chief over, his championship-winning crew chief. They're at a bigger organization with more money, more research and development, more cars, more teammates. This guy two years ago dominated the mile-and-a-half tracks. Absolutely dominated the mile and a half tracks. So keep your eye on him. He should run well at Atlanta. And again, don't ever think Jimmy Johnson forgot to how to drive a race car and how to win. So keep your eye on him. So those, those are some guys to look at next weekend at Atlanta. And we will be here every Sunday night talking racing on the racing podcast here at Fox 4. So we're going to wrap it up for tonight. We'll be back next week. I'm Sam Atwell. I'm Brian Dooley. Everyone have a great week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.